Hello, this is Patrick, and it's time for Real Herbalism Radio. Real herbs, real life, real easy. Brought to you by thepracticalherbalist.com and sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, your source for high-quality, organic, bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. Visit them at mountainroseherbs.com. Herbalism is truly a frontline medicine. Folk remedies are the go-to medicine for many of us. Beyond home remedies, though, herbalists can be a force for change in the world. Today we're talking with herbal activist Nicole Telkish about disasters, revolution, and changing the world through herbalism. Now, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real, Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. Art, revolution, and plants. Tell me, what do these things have in common? <laughs> well, I'm going back in the way back when machine again of, of how I started out in herbalism. And I'm, you know, a performance, or I was, I, I am a performance artist. I just Claim don't it. get out there as much. <laughs> but... Um, I'm a performance artist. I, I do a lot with art. Uh, art is part of my herbalism, and uh, I just live for art. And so in the Wayback Machine, um, there was a movement called Art and Revolution, and I was a part of it. And it was based – there was a guy who started it in San Francisco. I can't even remember his name. And he would travel around the country and teach people to build giant puppets and – um, we would do all sorts of. We wanted to bring art into activism, and so because you know there was this, this whole idea of holding signs being really boring, and that everyone had the same chance over and over. Mm-hmm. So he his goal was to spread giant puppet making, and then me and my <laughs> friends uh, had started this kind of idea of radical cheerleading and so we would do cheers and none of us had really ever been cheerleaders so it was kind of scary to watch us but uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was started in florida with uh karen amy and and bracken firecracker and you know we're still friends to this day but they started this a little radical cheerleading squad that ended up spreading all over the country including into eugene with mm-hmm. karen keaton and um, and so the radical cheerleaders met with Art and Revolution, and when we teamed up, we formed these amazing parades that would come into some sort of protest scenario again against some sort of you know corporate dominance campaign, and um, we would, or maybe it was the two party system. For example, we were protesting Bush at the Republican National Convention, and. Um, we had a big art and revolution contingent, and we started what we called a, a clown block. Um, so <laughs> it was actually professional clowns and non-professional clowns. What kind of a and resume we were, is that? Oh, it was amazing. But we all got uh, – we got – they did the – Philadelphia's mayor, who later became the head of Homeland Security, um, he decided that the clowns were in charge of the protest. And so they were running after our entire group of clown protesters. And some of us happened to be 
radical cheerleading anarchist clown herbalists. So we had our radical cheerleading outfits on with, I had little pom poms and everything. And then we would carry around our medic bags um, with us. And some of the medic supplies were inside of the puppets so that you could get to it if you were doing a big uh, protest scenario. Because at that time, you know, in the early 2000s, the protests were getting really increasingly violent towards mm-hmm. protesters. And yeah. so there was a lot of people who were getting really hurt by police. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it was really unfortunate. You know, I'm not going to be uh, say more than that, except that we were cleaning up a lot of wounds and a lot of uh, pepper spray and tear gas and all of it. So So, amazingly uh, artful and practical. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, but because you never never wanted to be bored, right? Right. So so we would do these and, you know, sometimes it was parades with music and and dancing and puppetry and all of it. And I think it just made the whole thing feel more positive and more like a festival. But unfortunately, police, we found out, don't like clowns. And some of my (laughs) students um, since then have tried to do clown-like things. And I'm like, don't do it around cops i promise they don't like, you. It. They yeah. don't like clowns because they immediately them. arrested all of us and oh, and what i was finding is that um at that point they started to target medic support and herbal support at these protests so um it started to get to where i kept getting arrested oh, with the medics we were the first ones arrested and it was interesting because a combat medic who trained me first at the WTO in Seattle, he said the medics are the first people to get grabbed because they're the ones to create a sense of calm in the crowd. So if... So what will happen in a lot of these scenarios is that cops will learn this and, and they'll grab out everyone who could possibly make people you know, feel better about yeah. getting bludgeoned. And, um, <laughs> and so, you know, Occupy people probably saw this too. And I yeah. was reliving the whole thing over again when Occupy happened where, but nobody had the training, which was really unfortunate to deal with what happens in a direct action scenario. So you have, we had these, these really spectacular events that ended up um, where I, a lot of my friends uh, got arrested so much that a couple of them got just taken away. Uh, and I don't know, uh, some people I knew were put in jail in Philadelphia years ago and I think were made, uh, you know, example of. And I can't even go back there because we ended up being a part of a COINTELPRO operation. Um, not that I was, but that the cops there had infiltrated the clown block. <laughs> this is so weird. That, I mean, I was, me and my friend, the other herbalists, were sitting there going, oh, they don't look that weird. And people are like, no, they look really like cops. And we're like, no, we should accept everyone that wants to help out. And uh-huh. they say they're carpenters. But um, so we ended up with this group of cops that would come to our, some of our, you know, protest organizing and try to get us to do illegal things. And we were like, well, no, we're not going to do that. That's really weird. Um, and then they ended up in the end ha- being part of a COINTELPRO operation trying to create, um, you know, 
break up the whole, you know, protest by being in there and disrupting everything. So Mm -hmm. that's happened to me a couple times. And I'm so I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but I'm very much aware that if you're going to stand up and you're going to say what you think is right, that not everyone's going to want to hear that. So that has led me into other scenarios in my life where um, I've I know that if I'm if I'm going to speak up for what's right, I have to know that that there is consequences for speaking mm-hmm. truth. But I'm not going to stop speaking the truth because I don't believe in living in fear. Right. So right. Um, part of being an herbalist is being free and being fearless um, because I think even the medical world tends to put people into fearful situations a lot. So I spend a lot of time trying to uh, get rid of fear. (laughs) So I'm not going to shut my mouth or not support somebody or whatever. And, you know, it's the same thing when in any kind of scenario where somebody has been mistreated or a group of people or, um, you know, some sort of power hungry, uh, individual has tried to come in and take, take power away from people. You're, if, if you speak up, you're, you're, you might end up being the one, the target that that gets targeted. So herbalists in that, you know, some of my herbal friends and I have been, both activists and herbalists. And so you put those two things together and you get jail. Yeah. (laughs) So that happened for a while. And then I, you know, the teaching kind of took over for me, but one of the things I truly believe in is that if you want to practice herbalism, it doesn't take going to herb school. It doesn't take you know, becoming the best and the herbalist or the a master herbalist, it takes a lot of drive and self reliance and motivation. And all you got to do is go get a table and set up some herbs and act humbly and act with as a servant to your community. And if you act from that way, then that's all it takes to be a good herbalist to me. I mean, you're going to learn along the way. Yes, you need to learn your herbs. Yes, you need to do your diligence. And But if you're acting from a humble place and one of as a servant, then I think that takes care of a lot of um, potential things that could come up because the whole idea of I don't know um, is more important. So I'm getting to the point in this that, I didn't have a bunch of background when I threw myself out there as an herbalist. Now, 15 years later, I do feel like I have a lot of authority to, authority to say that I, I know things that maybe could have helped me more back then, but that wouldn't stop me now from thinking that my path of just putting myself out there into the community isn't a really great way to become an herbalist. So are there, so, if you could go back to your you of the past and say, these are the most important herbs, are there any that you would say are the ones that you should be carrying into? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. especially if, if you decide to put yourself out in your community and you decide to just start practicing, which, you know, my friend that did the Herbal Aid documentary, um, Rosemary Gladstar was interviewed in that, of course, and you know, people are saying, well, what do we need for the future? What, what do we need to see? And what kind of herbalism are we looking for? And I think Rosemary brought up a really good point in that. And she's like, we don't, as much as I love salve, 
And she's like, there's so many people making amazing salves. We Mm -hmm. don't really need another salve company. We don't really need another, you know, cream company. What we need are people who are practicing herbalists working with people and their health concerns. And I, I really took that to heart because I think, you know, you can get into manufacturing, but if you're going to really serve people and serve the plants, then there are a few herbs that I think you could start with and have in your back pocket (laughs) and just see how they work. So that's the, you know, I'm leading up to the idea that, uh, that you might want to think about, um, serving your community by keeping a few things in your pocket. And for me, for me, this is where I start. I always have <laughs> in my purse the just in case. And this is what I tell people. If you do this, don't be surprised if you end up in a situation where you end up using all of these things. <laughs> so um, <laughs> the more you keep your herbs around, the more those situations will come out. So I always keep yarrow essence in my um, purse. So be like yarrow the flower essence, essence right? Yes, yarrow flower essence. Do y'all use yarrow flower essence at all? Oh, yes, I live on that stuff. Okay, so, <laughs> so I mean, yarrow is this amazing plant on so many levels. And if we just go all the way down to just its essence, and not just, but where it begins, mm-hmm. and its essence and its spirit, yarrow protects the body both psychically and physically and emotionally. So anyone that works with people, or even if you're in a kind of situation where you're the, you know, front desk support (laughs) or you're on the floor of a health food store, Yarrow Essence is going to help you from absorbing other people's junk is the way I like to put it. (laughs) So if somebody comes at you with a lot of issues even, so it's the first line of defense for me is to have that yarrow essence. And if anything starts to surface around me, I start by dosing myself with some yarrow essence to keep from absorbing um, any kind of negativity or potential problems um, from those around me. I don't know if this has happened to people, but I have seen this in herbalism a lot, and anyone who's listening to this that is maybe a journey journeywoman herbalist or just starting their practice and doesn't have good boundaries up yet, or maybe you are practicing and you still don't have good boundaries, <laughs> uh, but sometimes when you see a client, you just suddenly get like a really, a really small kind of ghost um symptom of your clients like maybe they're waking up at 4 a.m every morning and and having an asthma attack and then suddenly you realize that you're waking up at 4 a.m and you're have a shortness of breath all of a sudden and you don't have asthma so I don't know if anyone's experienced anything like that but I know that a lot of my students have told me that as they start practicing those sorts of strange little um, ghost illnesses come up and it's almost Um, it's almost like it's a boundary thing. So that's where Yarrow Essence comes in for me, whether it's direct action and, you know, maybe there's been a tornado, which happened a lot this year, um, and and you're having to walk into a situation where people are really upset or um, you're seeing a client who's telling you all about their, you know, health concern. Um, Yarrow Essence is going to be that that first line of defense. So um, what about y'all? Do you have anything different you do with it? 
you know, I'm I'm really empathic and sensitive, so that's why I live on that stuff. Because even <laughs> just the drama of my teenager can sometimes, <laughs> you know, I find that I'm really calm and peaceful, and then he comes storming through here for whatever reason he's upset, and suddenly I'm feeling really uh-huh. stormy and upset. And I love yeah. that. That's a great. I see. I'm glad I asked yeah. because this is what I love about herbalism. I, yeah. Every time I ask somebody else, I'm like, oh, that'll be great the next time that situation comes up. So, yeah, yeah that, that's a perfect example is not taking on other people's, mm-hmm. you know, emotional situations. So, yeah. so that's that's my first thing. Any? Do you have anything else you use it for? Um, I was given pink yarrow flower essence. I've been going through the death of the aging family members mom mm-hmm. etc and still dealing with the clinic and life and so uh, uh, uh patty Leahy, who's uh, our local flower essence expert she gave me some of the pink yarrow and i've been nice. using that quite a bit and that helps and i like to think of myself as pretty uh shallow and just you know <laughs> kind of kind of the spock person well think my way out of it, it'll be fine and it's not always the case. Yeah, right. And I've used it for my dogs as well. Mm-hmm. It helps them calm down when the house is stormy. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. There oh, that's totally mm-hmm. true. Yeah, the So so essence of yarrow, but then I also I carry around yarrow powder a lot of times um because it's such a great wound herb and then you can make things out of the powder. So that's not always in my purse, but I usually have some sort of ground up yarrow that I'll have ready to grab. It may sometimes combined with other herbs, but as a wound herb, I call it like the herb for the wounded warrior because you can use its essence for your spirit and then you can use its, um, you know, its physical self, it's uh, as a powder or tincture or whatever, as a anything to do with blood and wounds. Yeah. So, so I, and that's that's a pretty broad thing to say. But for me, you know, if I was listening to this podcast, the one thing that's hard for me when you're listening is remembering all the different things. So I always just try to keep those broad statements like blood mover wound healer so it's it's one of those herbs that if you started to look up you'd find a million and one ways that it's been used to move blood and heal wounds both topically and internally i think so, that's how we focused on it on the practical herbalist uh, oh yeah site yeah. was i think we the wound yeah. healer yeah. wound healer yeah, yeah. that was the yeah. name Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a personal one for me because I, I almost uh, broke my neck and fell down a, a, a bunch of stairs doing the documentary for Herbal Aid. And oh, uh, geez. <laughs> I was in, New, uh, in uh, Rhode Island filming and I was in an herbal medic's house and there was like four herb medics around me and I fell down the basement stairs. Some from Texas, we don't have basements, mm-hmm. even though there's yeah. So I opened up into the darkness and fell down the staircase and Yarrow was the first thing that one of the herb medics gave me. And I had this huge goose egg. And when I drank the yarrow, my goose egg within a couple hours was draining into my lymph. And you could see this, my lymph on my left, on the opposite side of my neck had swollen up and my goose egg was going down. And by the next morning I had no swelling, but I still had my lymph, but it was the yarrow moving that blood out of the 
area just kind of fleshing it out. So it was really amazing to watch it work. So it when it's your own self, you can really ha- start to develop that practic- that that personal relationship with the plant too. Hopefully not that personal. Yeah, yeah. Right. You're painting a beautiful pants. picture. Really, really lovely. <laughs> so, so yarrow is a big one. But um, I think another thing I always keep on me, not in its, and again, it's not in its uh, physical form, but more in its, and I, or I should say physiological form of, of Arnica, but mm-hmm. uh, the plant, but in its homeopathic form, I keep Arnica um, homeopathic tablets in my um, purse at all times. <laughs> I feel like homeopathic arnica for shock and trauma to the body, like it is definitely one of the first things. And I've watched it just do such amazing things with people that have been knocked out of their body. So oh, yeah. uh, it's, and it's pretty safe where you don't have to worry about, you know, if you were to take arnica in its whole plant form that's a pretty toxic plant that i can't believe is on the grocery store shelf Mm -hmm. um and (laughs) and it's a tincture form on the grocery store shelf i have no idea why they would do that but that's that's a toxic botanical that we use medicinally but it's um in its homeopathic form it can just knock your body your physical body right back in so any kind of shock and trauma a couple of the tablets of your homeopathic arnicas is another must have on you well i know a lot of people use arnica tincture to add to uh, a favorite salve they'll stir that yeah. in as well yeah. as adding arnica tincture to a liniment Yes, yes. Yeah, for topical use. Mm, Topical, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so it's it's great topically, but you have to kind of be pretty skilled to know how to use it internally. And I do know people that have used it internally, but it's not recommended. And I can't believe that it's just kind of thrown out there at a grocery store. I've seen it at many grocery stores, and it's kind of like putting, um, I don't know, a poke out on the grocery store shelf. Which is also Okay, yeah. Yeah. Have fun, you know, <laughs> look it up, you can figure it out. But the, the, and I'm, I'm a big poison path herbalist. Like I really, you know, my teacher, Michael, one of my teachers, Michael Moore, um, he had absolutely no problems with using toxic botanicals. And we learned a lot about using them safely, but it's just the whole nonchalant kind of, you know, oh, well, you can just use this. And there's, mm-hmm varying degrees of botanicals and for acute care it's really important that i think that if you are getting into herbalism and you want to do acute care which is where a lot of people start mm-hmm. that you that you understand the toxicities that and why these plants work so well in acute right. scenarios you well, know that has to do like, with respect and there's yes. a lot of people that still have that idea even if they're using herbs it, these herbs don't really do anything. So oh, the yeah. <laughs> concept that you'd have to be cautious with arnica, which is prevalent in creams and salves, is just yeah. not, that's not on the table. And that's got to change. I don't think we should go the other way and then say, oh, those are scary. Right. And you right. see that in America a lot. We either, you know, it's love it or hate it. And, and that's right. that's not a healing or wise path or approach. 
So right. I don't know how to fix that one, but I'm sure we'll work Education. on it. Education. That's good. That's right. <laughs> yep. Education. Everyone, everyone should go to herb school and herb school should just become part of the mainstream education system. I really do believe that. And I mean, I was, uh, I was, uh, talk i mean i don't know if that's ever going to happen but that's my belief is that every kid should go to school and in mexico i know that the kids are taught the poisons first Mm -hmm. so that they know which ones to watch out for and then they're taught um and this is parts of mexico but you know some of the some parts of it they're said okay here's your poisons be careful of that now here's your medicines we're going to start studying the medicines but that way it's a respect that they starts with as a child Mm -hmm. and you cultivate that respect and and in europe and germany they start growing gardens in elementary school at five and so they're everyone's growing their own food this is like human life skills which have left our education Mm -hmm. system you know like how to use your herbs and how to grow your own food which, of course, comes back to, well, why is it that way? Probably because Monsanto and other people don't want us to grow our own food or have our own medicine. So, well, um, there's so. a lot of money in ignorance, and that's one, of, like you said, education. There's so many times when I've, I've been on an herbalist forum and someone puts up a picture of something as basic as plantain or chickweed, and they, they're asking people what it is. Yes. They don't know what it is. Yes. Or they're mislabeling it. Or they're like mislabeling it. Dandelion or something right. crazy. Right, which like that. we've all seen before. And, yes. And that, you know, that's when uh, bringing people back on the walks and t- and walking them through and physically showing them not only the environment these plants are working with, uh, the other plants that are around them and, and what the they tricksters. do. And, yeah, take, yeah, take a look at it, feel them, touch them, you know, smell it. That's Feel the ribs on the plantain. This is how you remember. Right. And, you know, when you say that, I mean, the, one of the th- things that um, I'm going to say, and it's it's kind of harsh, but I'm going to say that Facebook is for lazy herbalists. And mm-hmm. I, I truly, I mean, and or it's it's being lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can be now. I will I will adjust that and, and amend that to say it's not that you shouldn't go and say, hey, what do you all think about this? But. I do think that you having the skills that you can teach yourself to go sit outside with a plant ID book and Mm -hmm. go through the process of identifying a plant is essential, essential to be an herbalist. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's lazy to just throw a picture up there and ask everyone else. What is this? What is it's, it's the app too. They had some app and I was like, it's lazy, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's maybe if you're trying to go through, you go through your identification and you figure it out and then you go and you check the app and the app's wrong. When, when, what then? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. are you wrong or the app wrong? So technology is okay. And it's a great, you know, kind of, I was always taught to assess everything in threes, mm-hmm. whether it's the human body or identifying a plant. If you can find three indications for a reason to go in a certain direction, then do it. So using the internet is just one assessment tool. Right. right. It's not, and- it's not the end all. Right. Well, that's, that's when you look at the principle of the toolbox. You have many yes. tools in it, and each tool has a, has a purpose, and some can be used for different kinds of ways. But the laziness part is just using one tool. An electrician just doesn't have a pair of pliers. They have a, right. a bunch of other things. And, 
And in order to be educated, you have to look at things and use different tools different ways. And we're grateful to you for putting out that newest book that you have, The Medicinal Plants of Texas. And we're also really grateful to have you spend some time with us on our show. So just want to say uh, thanks for being with us. And if anybody that has um, some questions about what's going on in Nicole's world, then I would uh, welcome you to check the stuff that we have on our show notes. We have information and links and resources that we've just mentioned here in the show notes of Real Herbalism Radio. And we want to encourage people to sign up for our free newsletter so we can notify you about the availability of our newest ebook, which is Cannabis, an Herbalist Guide to using medicinal marijuana and we have upcoming recipes and how to's and detailed information on the topics we've discussed here and on other uh, topics in the future we have those published on the practicalherbalist.com be sure to like us on facebook follow us on pinterest and join us in our conversations on twitter now it's time for herbalism and homesteading news. Candace, you found this uh, article today on the uh, American Botanical Council website about the Adopt an Herb program. And we just so happened to be lucky enough to catch Denise. Uh, is it Michael or Michael? It is. It's Michael. Good for Michael. you. You got it right. Great. So Michael at her office, and she graciously agreed to be uh, an interviewed about this project. So Candace, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Denise. Um, the Adoptive and Herb Program, from what I'm seeing, brings larger corporations and groups together with the American Botanical Council to create the Herb Med Pro database. Is that about right? That's close. So, okay. so actually, yes. it's large and small companies. We've yes. had a few very startup companies that have decided that Adoptive and Herb is a great way to get some attention for the herbs that they really focus on. And uh, our Herbman Pro database has about 250 herbs on it. It's quite large. We um, basically took it over about six or seven years ago, and we needed some additional resources to start bringing some of those records more up to date. Um, and then this seemed the perfect way to have companies who wanted information on that herb up to date so that people could see how really wonderful that herb was and really what it did and the science behind it. And those resources then help us keep that herb med pro up to date. One of the things that you do with that dead base is not just like you've got clinical science, but you also have, it look like some articles about traditional use, ethnobotany and that sort of thing as well, right? In HerbMed Pro, it really is science. It allows you to search by both herb and maybe by condition. So it's a unique database, and it takes publicly available information, particularly out of PubMed, et cetera, and breaks it down into 15 searchable categories. So it really makes staying up to date and doing research much easier. On each of the adoption pages, whenever an herb gets adopted, we include a variety of the information that we have on our website about that herb. So it could be ethnobotanical. Yeah. Um, it could be traditional use. It could be um, a, a study, an herb clip that we've done, a critique or review of a study that was done about that specific herb. So yeah, it's a those were the ones that I found the most helpful. So, and so these, this information, it, it, it makes it more accessible to the general public? Are you funding more store studies or what happens after that? So we're not funding studies uh, per se on it. Um, we 
take the information that's been published and make it accessible and compile it and push it out in ways. Like on the e-cards? Exactly. So one of the great things, one of the ways that we make all of the adoption information more accessible is that anyone who's adopted or any herb that's adopted, all of the information that we put on that adoption page, those ethnobotanical, just the e-cards, the, all of the different variety of the different herb clips, those then become free on our website. And if the adopter wants to put a link on their website that says, you know, proud adopter of lemon balm or whatever it might be, then whoever clicks on their website gets free access to that content without leaving their site. Right. Well, I'm looking at this list and there's a couple of herbs on here I am not familiar with at all. Well, that's good. That's good, I guess. Like what fruits? Well, for example, um, how do you choose that? Boo, boo. (laughs) I I can't even pronounce this thing. What's the... The what? I'm um, Kaklobo. Um, <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> what is the incentive for these companies to pick the herbs that they choose? Tip, well, uh, here's what I think the incentive is. You know, I've never really asked them. Um, I think it's because they tend to make products that feature these herbs. So Unka, now I can't say it either. <laughs> it's contagious. It's Unka. You go to the store and you've got a cold and you buy Unka. So you actually have seen it. You just didn't realize that's what it's, it was. It's usually right. Yeah. Right. So Makes sense. Um, it's because they usually it's because each of these companies make great products featuring these herbs. And yeah, so like, for instance, this tea wolf is one of the more recent ones that you've got up here. And it's Guayayusa. Guayayusa. Yeah, thank you. So it's one that I personally don't recognize, but I know that it's been in the news uh, more frequently of recent. Yeah, clearly in the Holly family because it's Ilex. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that is so that's one of the way that these companies are, are trying to sponsor their own products as well. Right, or just get information out about the herb, and then you say, oh, they make a product that has it, and it sort of leads you that direction, mm. they hope. And when you look at, if you, you know, when you go to our website, you can click on these different, you can click on the company, but you could click on Guayusa and there would be a really short description of what it is. And then there would be some articles or herb clips that give you more details on the science behind it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Wow. All right. And I also noticed Crane Herb Pharmacy sponsored Ephedra. They did. That was really cool to see. Oh, my gosh. Tell me about that one. I mean, that one, you know, the FDA has been hammering that. Well, I can't say that Crane is producing anything with Ephedra. I I genuinely don't know. But Mm -hmm. there is a lot of science behind Ephedra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was a lot of of misuse of Ephedra, and, you know, that's put us, I think, in the position that we're in. But Ephedra has a lot of science behind it that uh, makes it a beneficial plant. Yeah, yeah so I love the fact that it's brought up to the forefront here right. for its medicinal value. As properly used medicine. All yeah. of those people with asthma can perhaps in the future look for it to be uh, accessible appropriately again. So if I'm working for a company who I think might want to adopt an herb, how do I go about doing that? Well, the first step would be to send me an email or call me. And um, the pricing structure for adoptions we ask for everyone all the companies who adopt to make a three-year commitment because it's a lot of work to get it up and running Mm -hmm. and fortunately most of the companies stay with us long past their three-year commitment which we greatly appreciate then 
we do a little research here on how much information is published about that herb yearly, and then also how much information would it take for us to get that record brought up to date within a year. Actually, we try and do it within shorter than a year, but within that first year. And so I will do some uh, research on our end, and then we will send a proposal out that says this is the cost, and um, hopefully they'll say yes, and we'll get the ball rolling. Nice, nice. Okay, so let's go over your contact information, just in case someone out there wants to adopt an herb. Oh, excellent. Telephone number? 512-926-4900, extension 120. Okay, and then your email? D M E I K E L. Wait a minute. D M. Was gonna say it's D M E I, right? Well, well, maybe she doesn't want to put that one out there. Oh, we don't fax her. No one can spell anyone's last name around here. I'm sorry. It's just Denise. D E N I S E. Okay. <laughs> at dot org. So D E N I S E at H E R B A L G R A M dot O R G. Okay. And we'll include that in contact information on our show notes. So for those folks who want to get a hold of you and adopt an herb, they'll be able to do so. Yeah. Oh, Thank wonderful. you for taking time to talk to us. Well, I enjoyed it. Aw. Thank you for your interest. I do love this uh, Adopt an Herb program. Oh, well, we do too. Keep up the good work. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Denise. All right. Have a great day. Herbalism 101. This is part of the show where Sue and Candace answer a listener question or teach you about an herbal definition or term covering basic to advanced herbal knowledge. If you would like the dirt on herbs, herbalism, or anything else related, you can send your question using our simple contact form at realherbalismradio.com slash herbalism101. If we choose your question for the show, we will send you a free PDF ebook, Natural Nutrition by the Practical Herbalist, currently available for $4.99 at the Practical Herbalist store. Here's Candace and Sue to discuss this show's Herbalism 101 topic. Today's question comes from Koi. Koi asks, I make a salve from beeswax and olive oil that I use for dry skin. Can I add shea butter to the mix, and how would I do that? How would I add an herbal tincture, such as calendula? What other useful formulations can I use this salve for? Candice, Sue? Oh, you can definitely use shea butter to that. Yeah. That is a nice one. And since shea butter is hard at room temperature, that's a super easy addition. It definitely is. It it makes it quite a bit softer, I have noticed. Mm -hmm. So you can up your beeswax quantity a little bit. Right. Or just substitute the beeswax itself, depending on how creamy you want it. So. Yeah, and I usually, what I would probably do is start with your basic formula, add a little bit of the shea butter to it. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're making two ounces total volume was, was the original formula. Maybe add half an ounce of shea butter and then to a little test. So as you've got it all heated up and you're stirring it, take a few drops and drop them on a plate that's cool. Mm-hmm. Give it a few moments to come to mostly room temperature and see right. if it's a consistency you like. Or take your spoon and just stick it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. That's what I've done. And yeah. then take it out in a, in a minute or two and check it, and there it is. That, yeah. That's a good texture for you. I'm like two drops on a plate. And it's it good enough be a for cool me. Plate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, cool metal But plate. yeah, whatever, however you want, just to cool it off fairly rapidly, a very small amount, so you can see if it's hard enough or soft enough for your yeah. 
preference? I've tried a couple of different uh, substitutions. You know, that I don't work with the coconut oil. Everybody loves that, but I'm allergic to it. So I, I like coconut oil a lot, but actually for dry skin, I find it's not as helpful. Mm. If your skin is relatively balanced and, or on the oily side, then coconut is great, but it has a sort of a astringent quality to it that can be harder for dry skin. Mm, okay. So I wouldn't recommend that one. Yeah, and obviously if you have an allergy, don't be using and that. Definitely, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it for anyone in your household because they might come in contact with you. That's right. I know. <laughs> and everybody loves coconut oil, but Sue. Okay, there but are, the tinctures. Right. Adding a tincture. Now, you do that. I've done that once, and it didn't turn out great, but I think I didn't heat it long enough. To add to a mixture. Yeah, and how much were you putting happened, in there? What happened with mine was that I was making lip balm. So mm-hmm. it was just a couple ounces. I mean, because honestly, a couple ounces fills an awful lot of lip balm containers. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I added a dropper full of calendula tincture to my two ounces worth of lip balm mm-hmm. on while it was still on the stove before I had any essential oils. Right. And I heated it, but I didn't heat it super long. It looked completely incorporated. Right. And like I said, it wasn't a ton that I put in and I thought I had gotten all the liquid out. But what ended up happening is that after it had dried or it had hardened and stood for about two weeks, I started to get drops on the top of the salve. Right. Exactly. On the top of the salve. Right. And there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is calendula tincture is is commonly has a little more moisture in it than Mm -hmm. some of the other because it will, it, it, it's full of flavonoids, which is what you want to save. So you're not necessarily adding a bunch of alcohol. You can even have a calendula succus, which is really high in water content. Right. And water and wax doesn't necessarily... They don't go together. They don't go they together. Don't mix, yeah. Right. So if you ha- work are working with a different kind of salve that is creamier, like we were talking about with the shea, it, and doesn't perhaps have any beeswax in it at all, then it'll make an easier mix. And a small amount, again, because you can't expect to have some kind of separation. But if you use something like um, something with a higher alcohol amount, like like I've added um, golden seal tincture Mm -hmm. to a salve before, and I think I used like half a dropper full into a small, uh, a one-half container. ounce container okay and i mixed it up and it worked out great boy the smell wasn't my favorite (laughs) yeah i can imagine (laughs) (laughs) it smelled like golden seal for sure but i wanted that antibacterial balance in there so it worked out and it what it did change the texture of it it was kind of whipped you know so that and that was okay but you gotta watch if you're doing a lip balm you probably I mean, yeah. you kind of want something for lip balm that's a little harder, right? Right. If you were doing a high alcohol tincture, like a propolis or myrrh tincture, mm-hmm. which is yeah, very oil. high alcohol, yeah. right, right, yeah. then that would be a, a much easier thing to add because right. the, the resin and the oil will combine better with the wax. Makes sense, yeah. So I know this sounds kind of complicated, but uh, water and oil don't mix. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to, you're what you're going to sacrifice if you're adding something like calendula, um, is that it's used, just use a small amount mm-hmm. and then expect that you're going to use it up pretty quickly before it starts to separate. Yeah. Or like you said, shea butter, coconut hard, the coconut oil that's mm-hmm. hard at room temperature. Right. It's usually the, I think it's unfiltered. Right. Go for more of a lotion yeah. result. Yeah. Or um, like cocoa butter right. is another one that's good and hard at room temperature. Yeah. I think mango butter is another one. There's a I vegan a um, wax, uh, uh, cal- calendilia wax. Or there's a couple of different vegan waxes that people have used. And I have noticed 
Um, that one in particular that I just mentioned and poorly pronounced, uh, you know, there's some things you yeah. just see written out and you've never heard it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of them. So I've worked with that and I found it to be a lot waxier than working with beeswax. So if right. you're a vegan, shea butter is what I would recommend if you want to add tincture to it, because right. it is, it's very yeah. waxy. You don't substitute it half, you know, right. one or one with a beeswax. Right. So yeah, for this particular formulation, you might want to even start with the shea butter Add a little bit of the olive oil. Mm-hmm. Add a little bit of your tincture. Right. Or it would it be okay with a and Coke. And then test it. Yeah. And see where you're at in terms of hardness. Yep. Um, and what you're looking for. Most definitely. Or just make the calendula oil in the first place. Yeah. That's no. the easiest. You know, you're you're yeah. you're not working with fresh anyway. You'd be working with a dry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, some herbs that's... are easier in tincture. Like lemon balm is easier to tincture, I think, than turn it into oil. I've done that, but mm-hmm. I like it better for tincture. Yeah, the yeah. calendula makes such an oil so easily. So yeah, we had a very simple question, and we turned it into a very complicated answer. I hope that helps you. <laughs> <much> <laughs> but just enjoy, enjoy, and know your herbs. That's that's our answer. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Real Herbalism Radio. Your hosts have been Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. To find more information and recipes from today's show or to leave a comment or suggestion, visit us online at realherbalismradio.com. If you're feeling social, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thepracticalherbalist. Don't forget to look up our ebooks and herbal folios at amazon.com. Use the search terms practical herbalist. This show has been sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, purveyors of high-quality organic bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. You can visit them at mountainroseherbs.com. If you'd like to sponsor Real Herbalism Radio, just contact us through our website at realherbalismradio.com contact. Until next time, this is Patrick with Real Herbalism Radio and The Practical Herbalist. <laughs>